0: It's Cofield and Company. Thank God it's Friday, 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 Thank God it's Friday.
1: It is a Friday. Cofield and Company, TI, Golden Circle, Sportsbook and Bar. Be careful out there. Be careful out there. Everyone gets uh, extra fired up on Fridays to get home. Uh, I was thinking back to my my ride home last week. It, it was it was bumper cars. People were fired up to get home, get to wherever they were going. So, And the weather's getting nicer, and we're starting to open up. So that's a real good thing. That's a real good thing. We were talking about the Lakers and the Bills. We kind of paired them together with the vaccination stuff, because Dennis Schroeder's out right now, uh, COVID protocol. Uh, the Bills GM was talking about, His team, and if guys don't have the vaccine, he may have to cut them come August. So, you know, we're still in this mode of having to deal with the end of the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, which brings us to the masks, John, right? Always an intriguing deal. Website headline, enraged man kicked out of Costco after shoppers refused to join his anti-mask revolution. So I'll set this up. This guy... Uh, Decides to walk into a Costco. He doesn't have the mask on and decides to start calling to the crowd. Join me. Fight back against this ridiculousness. The masks are terrible. Let's see how it went and see if anyone joined in with them.
2: Is anybody tired of this tyranny? (laughs) You love tyranny. You love tyranny. You get out. You get out. You get out. (laughs) No more masks. No more masks. Let's leave. No more masks. 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 No more. You know what the funny thing is? In six months or a year from now, you're going to be looking for people like me to stand for you. Where's the men at? Where's the freaking men at that will stand for your liberty? Where's the men that will stand for liberty once again?
1: Yeah. Uh, There's a lot going on there. Well, the beginning, he's like... He he asked for support, and immediately it's like six people going, "Get out!" <laughs> and he, so then he's like, "You get out." Have you? And then he turn after the mass chant doesn't work. He turns on him like, "You're gonna need me." Like, I they don't need you. Have you ever tried to start yeah, a chant and fail? They don't need you. <laughs> or like a clap? Have you ever tried to start a clap
3: and it failed too? It's a very embarrassing uh, moment. That's so good. It's So big. <laughs> what? So depressing. Do you take it seriously though? Now at this point, like, do we seriously analyze this guy and? call him out for what he really is, or do we just laugh at him at this point? Let's see. Here he is walking out.
2: Just escort us out so we don't become a nuisance. Guess what? When they're taking your liberties and your families and your guns away, you're going to be saying, it's time to be a nuisance. You don't know nothing about freedom. I spent 12 and a half years in prison. You don't know nothing about freedom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he drops in that nugget. Like, I know about freedom. I spent 12 and a half years
3: in prison. Uh, the, after years, I was expecting – In Iraq
1: or like in Afghanistan, like you know what I mean? Yep.
3: Not in prison. That's what what I thought too. I was
1: like, oh, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna flout his military service. Nope. He's like, I know about having my freedom taken away. I'm the man to follow. The tyranny that got you was breaking the law. What are you talking about? You you sound like a felon. I don't think I want to follow you. All right, get out now. He's walking out front.
2: This is BS. I'm tired, y'all. I'm going straight to the cops. And I'll talk to them and I'll show them that we were peaceful. There it is, y'all. No more freaking masks. Let's do this.
1: No. And you're not going to the cops. We've been through the – we've done this for – it's been like 10 months now. 11 months. Jordan Poyer's wife's watching like, yeah! yeah! Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, there are going to be some people on the side, no doubt. Uh, no doubt about it. If you went up to TikTok and this video is up all over of the place, course. there are a bunch of people who are like, bro – We ain't with you, and you are so far off base here with this whole tyranny thing.
2: Costco employees, is anybody tired of this tyranny?
1: You're, like many, many other people of your train of thought, are once again confusing tyranny with capitalism. See, that's the free market at work. That store has made a decision that its bottom line would be best served if it did not allow people who did not take mitigation efforts into their establishment during a global pandemic. You disagree with that decision. That's your right, just like it's their right to set that boundary. Now you call it tyranny because it affects you, but it's not tyranny. I mean, pretty good, right? We've done it for a
3: year now. I know. How do you not understand it? Well, I mean, he did been 12 years in prison. Maybe he just, he, he didn't just, say he when he got, got out. out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just got out. Maybe he's oh, really not God. up with everything right now. He like walked out and he was like, wait, what is this mask thing? What is happening yeah, right now?
1: First time exposure.
3: <laughs> right. It was like 12 years of solitary. He had no idea. Yeah, but we're, like,
1: we're talking about a video that came out and the guy put the video out. Again, this is what's yeah. happened with the anti-masker people. They, they go into, you know, they have an encounter and they're like, oh, I'm going to put this on the web and all these people are going to like me. I'm famous. They're all on my side and and now now we've totally got fatigued with this stuff like i think everyone used to get worked up about it everyone now is like dude you're a fool and he went into the store and people are like you get out like we i just want to shop and i can follow the rules and i'm used to this it's not a big deal dude stop so of course guess what happened people got worked up enough right when you do something like this what do people do some people they start to look up your place of work they want to find you know Whoever you're associated with, you're a jackass. Well, now he's got a sad tale to tell.
2: After the Costco protest, several videos went viral. Somebody decided to scour my social media pages and take screenshots and send those screenshots to the HR department at my job. They decided me taking care of my family was no longer acceptable. So they walked me off the job site yesterday.
3: That was not a protest. You threw a tantrum in a Costco. And your company does not want to have to deal with toddlers in its employ. Providing for your family would have been putting on a mask, doing your shopping, paying for your items, minding your own f***ing business, and then going home.
2: If I was your boss, I would have fired you too, because I am deathly allergic to white male fragility disguised as pseudo-patriotism.
3: Like the last line. But I also, that's killer. After the Costco protest...
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, the protest.
3: Oh man! And
1: then he and then he uses his kids as a shield. Right. I guess you don't want me to support my kids. I don't think you want to support your kids. If you're selfish, dude. What did that? There have are to repercussions. Think it through a little bit.
3: Right. Like, didn't,
1: you made the wrong move? It didn't work out. You didn't. You didn't have you know eighty percent of the people in the building rushing to your cause. Right. Like what did what did you trying to get people in Costco to strip
3: off their masks and march out and have to do with your kids? Like absolutely nothing. But it's just, you know, it's diverting the fact that you don't want to accept the results or the consequences of your own behavior, which is incredible. I always find these people incredible because they're the first to call anybody else a snowflake when they can't handle wearing one of these for more than a 15, 20-minute trip to Costco, and instead they want to enact the Costco protest instead of just go in, do your stuff, go, and get out, and then take it off the second you walk out. I'll be perfectly honest, man. I'm tired of wearing the mask, too. You want to know what I do, though? Still wear them. And I'm vaccinated. Like I totally get the whole, like, I don't need this, but guess what? Just just do it. It's not that hard.
0: Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877 700 nova
2: It's in the right corner. Marcia so picks it up. Marcius out, top of the right circle, set it up, right wing, extra feed, Petrangelo scores! Alex Petrangelo wins it in overtime, Vegas 3,
0: Minnesota 2. It's time for VGK ringside reporter
1: Stormy Bonantoni on Cofield and Company. All right, let's do it. we got a big game on tap tonight. Stormy helping us out by checking in late in the week. Stormy, how are you?
4: I'm great. It's game day. I'm hyped up. Let's do this. How are you?
1: Really good. Really good. Well, what a week, right? I mean, what a week. Let's go back to the beginning of the week. Uh, Monday, just a freaking heartbreaker. As uh, as you're watching that game, could you believe what was happening down the stretch?
4: It was incredible, honestly. And it felt like all of those demons when it comes to playing Minnesota were just coming back to the surface for the Golden Knights that... You know, you're, you're holding the lead in the third period, which we've seen before against the Wild, and it slips away in two minutes just to, to see that. And then, of course, then you go to the second game of the matchup, and it's Kirill Kaprizov again who steps up and delivered and strikes some fear into the Golden Knights. Like, is this going to happen again? Second night in a row where your team has a lead and you're feeling good about yourself, and things start to slip away. But fortunately, game two... Um, they were able to overcome a bit of that mental block and rebound and get the win in Minnesota, which is something that historically they don't do at Excel Energy Center. It's been a really, really tough to, place to play for the Golden Knights uh, in, in their four years. And um, for them to get out of there with the win, I think, was huge, especially with the postseason coming up and still trying to figure out exactly where the Golden Knights are going to fit in that equation if they win out then um, it looks like they would get first in the division and would play St. Louis. But if that doesn't happen, then are they going to face the wild? And I think that to have that confidence against that team is, is really important for the VGK coming into postseason play.
1: Yeah, real big, real big Uh, two, five and one. The Knights are this year against the wild that, that ain't good. The win was great. I also thought the uh, beginning of the game, early parts of the game. And DeVore pointed this out when it was getting real physical, real physical. And, Um, it's interesting how that's happening recently, but I know DeBoer pointed out uh, that he liked how they stuck together as it was getting real nasty.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that day in the NHL, right, it was like all six cups in the first period. (laughs) Um, But for for the Golden Knights specifically, 100%. And I talked to Alex Petrangelo after the first period, and he said, you know, I'm not sure why they're trying to play this way, but if, if you want to, we can play any way you want to. We can get physical. We can be hard on you back. And, to see a guy like Nick Hague step up and get in a fight with Foligno and hold his own. It was huge. His first NHL fight, and um, and the team got a boost from that, too, I think. And, yeah, I like the verbiage also from Pete Board that they stuck together. They overcame that first period. They got to hockey, and they won the game.
1: You know, the the uh, the reason I think teams are trying to get more physical is to set a tone with the Knights, and also send the message, hey, your guy's not here, so we are going to freaking bat you around because Reeves not around.
4: Yeah, and you do see that. You see specifically just in that two-game set with Minnesota that they're chirping more. They're taking more liberties. They're a little bit braver on the ice than they would be if a guy like Ryan Reeves was out there. And I mean, Mark Stone even said, you know, we'll see if we play you in the postseason and and Revo is on the ice with us. It's going to be a different story, and it was nice to have that update from Pete DeBoer today when we saw Revo back on the ice for the first time since April 11th, so almost a month now that he's been out on LTIR, uh, joined the team on the ice. He's not going to be playing in the game today. We don't have a necessary timeline. He's eligible to come back, but DeBoer said he's just not quite ready yet, so you could see him potentially holding off until the playoffs, to beat-up threat. But, uh, yeah, huge for the team just from an intangible standpoint and to have that threat that it backs people off when Ryan Reeves is on the ice. And the
3: Golden Knights, that is that threat. So, Stormy, when we're looking at this as they're matching up with St. Louis tonight, uh, the earlier skate, voluntary skate, Max Petcher, the status for him. And I'm curious, like, from an emotional standpoint, four games, you split the four on the road, big win over Minnesota, where they're at to come back for a back-to-back St. Louis. Like, it might be I mean, thrilling to get that win, but this is a pretty rough spot situationally to come back home and take on a team like St. Louis.
4: Yeah, no question, and St. Louis is playing some of their best hockey recently. Uh 50 and 2 in their last 7 and they've got a lot of people that are back healthy. They're a physical team that it had its ups and downs against the Golden Knights. I think the Golden Knights have been the better team in those games this year overall, but that last game where after VGK beat them, I want to say it was 6-1 and they bounced back with a 3-1 win, you saw a different St. Louis team and they got some confidence from that against the Golden Knights. So They're a team, too, that are fighting for that final playoff spot in the West Division. They're going to be hungry. And the Golden Knights, they obviously have something to play for as well. But, yeah, it's a bit of a tough spot coming off a really hard-spot series. I mean, physically and mentally against Minnesota. But you're back home for a back-to-back. You're going to have the most fans in the building that we've had in over a year. Um, So, hopefully, they can build off of that a little bit and, and have some fun and, feel confident about their game going into the postseason because, like I said, four games left for this team. They have a goal of being first place in the division, having that easiest path and having that home ice advantage. And um, it needs to be tonight. You need to play a hard, confident game against St. Louis.
1: You know, I'm glad you mentioned the the crowd situation. Uh, And I don't know if you have the answer to all these, but what is the current update on the other uh, Western opponents who can make the playoffs here in terms of what they're going to have in the playoffs as we go, you know, city by city between Minneapolis and St. Louis and also the Abs.
4: You know, I'm not sure what the actual, like, numbers are in each one of those buildings. I'm Most across the league have been around the 4,000 mark, and, okay. you know, you're hoping that all of those things grow. But for the Golden Knights, I mean, tonight, I, I think that the number is 7,500. Correct me if I'm wrong, that they're yeah, going to have right. in that building. Which, right. yep, yep. Yeah, which – is the most of, I mean, anyone tonight. So it's it's a huge advantage, especially given how rapid Golden Knights fans are. Um, I think for this team, if they're able to have that home ice advantage and have four of the seven games played in their building as far as they go, that'll be massive. Uh,
1: What does this mean? You had no patches today. Uh, Optional skate, though. Uh, No stone, no Petrangelo. Anything to see there?
4: Oh, yeah about that totally like just missed Mm -hmm. the patch question a couple questions back uh no firm update pizza borer this season has really kept a lot of those things pretty close to the vest um i haven't heard anything on petrangelo so i wouldn't really read into that it's optional but obviously max hasn't played the last couple of games so you could see him potentially still being out i know that that's not a particularly serious injury based on the things that pete has said but Most of this year, he doesn't give us a whole lot of lineup updates, doesn't want to give up too much for the other team to see. I I mean, I'm obviously not a coach or a player, so I don't know how much those advantages are to know what guy's going to be where. Obviously, Pacioretty is our league goal scorer, so an important piece if he were able to be good to go. But I I don't have an update for you there. do know, though, um, I mean, based on the rotation, at least that we expect it to be Robin Leonard in that. So there you go.
1: Well, I actually want to talk a little flurry. Um, can you put in perspective the kind of numbers he's piling up now? With uh, you know another mark the other night with a uh, a rise on the win list.
4: It is, it is so cool. <laughs> Let me just say, just from for me personally, to get to be around this guy every single day, making history. It's another milestone of some sort every night. I feel like that we're on the ice, and for him, 490 career wins, standalone third all time on the NHL win list, and. Hopefully, trying to still climb. He's awesome when he talks about that. You know, as long as he's having fun playing the game that he loves, which he does. He's passionate about it. He loves being out there every single night, and he's physically able to contribute to the team. He yeah. wants to play, and so who knows how far he can go? Obviously, Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodura are a bit farther up the list than the yeah. jumps to Roberto Luongo for third. But it's it's really incredible what he's done, and particularly in this season where he thought that it was going to be potentially a one-game-and-one-game 50-50 split for the entire season. But then the issues with Robin Leonard having his concussion and he has to step in for that slew of games, um, that that he's one of the best goaltenders in the league and he has the amount of games added up for you to really see what he's doing. And at 36 years old, he's like, I don't know, drinking from the fountain of youth, like this ageless wonder, like a fine wine, and uh, really happy for him to have the success that he's had, especially given – you know the adversity that he's had and, and not knowing what his status is and I think it'll be pretty interesting to see what Pete DeBoer does come playoff time if he and we've talked about it on the show before but whether he does continue with that 50-50 split or obviously Mark andre Fleury has you know cemented himself as having an excellent season and if he's continuing to play hot right now do you you ride him for the majority of games um you imagine you give him the first start but then what happens after that we don't know so i think that'll be pretty fun storyline to keep an eye on
3: stormy get the honest answer from him i mean come on it's only 202 wins
1: he needs to get to number one like (laughs) let's go. keep
4: going how many more years you got mark be (laughs) honest
1: exactly uh is there a collectible going out tonight as a giveaway the superman save figurine
4: Yes, right. Speaking of Marc-Andre Fleury, the Superman save from that uh, game in Toronto last year, there's this awesome gold figurine that everybody going to the game tonight and tomorrow will get. So both of these games against St. Louis, there's an awesome um, giveaway that you'll be getting, and it is also Latino Heritage Night. So the Golden Knights will have some pretty cool warm-up jerseys that they're wearing in honor of that. And um, if you pay attention to the broadcast, i will give you all of the the details there. And I guess I can tell you right now, too. Latinoheritage.givsmart.com tonight. If you go there, you can auction, you can bid on the auctioned jerseys that are autographed and. The game worn ones from warm ups are there. There's like name plates, pucks, sticks, all those different things that our player used. Um, and a portion of the proceeds from the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation will be going to a uh, scholarship fund from the Latin Chamber of Commerce. So pretty cool.
1: Stormy, you're cool. Thanks for coming on with us on a game day. Appreciate it.
4: Of course. See you guys later.
1: There she is, Stormy Bonatoni, ringside reporter with the Golden Knights. Her spot today is brought to you by Nova Home Loans. Is your interest rate? On uh, the house too high, you're still paying mortgage insurance. Why? you got to call my friends at Nova Home Loans, get your mortgage tuned up, get it done in 20, 30 minutes. It'll give you a full assessment of your situation. This could be a great time to lower your rate, lower your payment, even take money out of the house to pay off credit card bills and mounting debt. Don't wait. And the other cool thing is this is military appreciation month, so Nova Home Loans is going to be waiving their processing fee, which is $1,300 on all VA loans. They're waiving that. It's gone. It's waived. So this is a great time for uh, active duty and vets to be getting involved with Nova Home Loans, either get the mortgage tuned up or you could buy a home, right? You can do that. 877-700-NOVA is the number. 877-700-NOVA. Tell them Cofield sent you.
0: Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.
3: To
2: left field, all the way back, gone. Jose Altuve on his 31st birthday.
0: Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Coalfield and Company.
1: Man, bang update today by the vast sound crew here, at Lotus Broadcasting, grabbing the uh, Costco JO. And his chanting, get the Altuve chant. That's yeah, Yankee fans for you. You chant, home run, go right back to the chant. Our sound crew may have played with
3: that a little bit. I don't think they went right back to uh, – Also, I feel like there's other fan bases that are perfectly capable of chanting.
1: No. Do they have bleachers and a cowbell?
3: Well, the Angels had inflatable trash cans that pushed Dusty Baker to cry after a game. So
1: <laughs> Dusty did cry. Dusty seems to have gotten over it. He, uh, he didn't lash out the last couple of games against the Yankee fans. Like, dude, it's going to happen everywhere.
3: Which thinks we were on? uh, Was it Tuesday when I was on with you earlier this Uh week? I think I said it like minus two hundred that he would initially. He did initially. No, he he did. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. After the first
1: game, he did. Good. He uh, he gave he gave Yankee fans a tongue lashing again, but I think he's he's kind of gotten used to it. Where it's you know he's you're not going to win, and by ripping the fans, you're kind of just lighting a fire under them to do it some more.
3: You deserve it. Your team cheated. Screw you guys. Like yeah, humans and I, Matt humans and I disagreed with that this morning. He was like, ah, you know. Let it go. I'm like, no, the fans haven't had their crack at them yet.
1: Who does he root for?
3: The Yankees. (sighs) Come on. That's what I didn't really understand either. I would love to
1: see Matt sitting in the Yankee Stadium bleachers.
3: Let it go, everybody. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Let's all be friendly.
1: (laughs) By the way, that could be – I think it was a cowbell. I know in old Yankee Stadium in the bleachers there was – God, I can't remember his name. But uh, there was a guy who would play some – I think it was a pot. Might have been a pan.
3: What about an Oscar the Grouch costume?
1: I think you might get beat up at a Yankee game if you're going Oscar the Grouch. Although, I love Oscar the Grouch.
3: Well, David Taub tried to, actually, because Oscar lives in a trash can.
1: Oh, that is brilliant. He
3: tried to wear a – he spent $85 on an Oscar the Grouch costume from Amazon.com. A few days beforehand, he had visited Yankee Stadium to confirm that he would be allowed to wear it Tuesday. Oh, don't tell me, David. For the Astros opener in the Bronx. He was apparently told that he could not – wear it. When he arrived wearing the costume, carrying the sign reading, you ain't stealing this costume, Trastros. He drew laughs and cameras. Unfortunately, he drew the attention from security who said, quote, our policy changed. Taub said the guard added that the Astros had complained to Major League Baseball about fans in the cities, and Major League Baseball had told the Yankees to tighten their rules.
1: So weak. Typical Rob Manfred. Awful. By the way, I'm sure it never got to Rob Manfred. No, but of course But hey, Buck stops with you, buddy. So now you're telling... Screw, screw baseball, man. Screw them. They blew this from the get-go. They're the ones that have put the Astros in this position. By not penalizing the players, they got immunity. They got nothing, and that's what fans are pissed off about, and they're pissed off that the Astros got to the highest level on multiple occasions and won a title. And the Yankee fans had to watch freaking Altuve hit a jack off of Chapman. This is your doing, baseball. And now you're telling the fans that they can't aggressively root against a team, a team of cheaters?
3: So here's where I stand. I agree with all of that, but I'm mad at somebody else. Are you not mad at the Yankees? Do you not show your support for your fan base and go, we're not enforcing these rules. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you going to do? Steal a 107th round pick for us or whatever the you know what I mean? What, what's the punishment going to be? And can you imagine if Major League Baseball had to actually come out and say, we are punishing finding the Yankees because they wouldn't adjust their policies because fans were being too mean to the Astros? I'm mad at the Yankees. Stick by your guns. Yes. Let David Taub wear Oscar the Grouch's costume to the game.
1: Yes, I've been mad at the Yankees since George died, because his kids just don't care like he did. You think George Steinbrenner would have backed down to baseball? Heck
3: no. Let it happen. Yep, whatever you got coming. But I can't believe they complained.
1: You pay, but you can. That's the thing. You can. You
3: can. And they, you're right because, but like, it's just it's everything, and that's why they're so unlikable. Yep. The The brash attitude when they first, you know, did that press conference to this moment right now where you're complaining about the treatment from the fans, from Dusty Baker a couple months ago, you know, wagging his finger, if I could talk. It's just so insufferable, man. It is. They deserve everything that comes to them.
1: Are you thinking the same thing about your Angels and Angels management with Albert Pujols? Gone, cut, dumped.
3: Yeah, so I I, I realized that when I sent this in, I phrased this a little different. I I should have but like, like a longer period or an ellipsis. Uh, I do not hate this team for releasing Albert Pujols. Uh, Albert Pujols has not been good this year. Albert Pujols was taking away playing time plate appearances, potentially from Jared Walsh, who is the better player, batting over three hundred and really good piece for them at first base. Pujols should be gone, rightfully so. So it's not surprising. And he apparently had been jockeying for more time. He's hitting under two hundred. Like, sorry, bro, get out of here. Like, we got somebody who's a lot better than you at this point right now. I hate this team because I don't know how much you watched the game yesterday, Steve Cofield. But Andrew Heaney, young kid, very, very highly regarded prospect when they got him all those years ago. And they, he was drafted, I think, it by Miami, if I remember correctly. But he's a top ten pick, though, in the draft. And he hadn't really put things together, but this year he's starting to put it together. Last year, six and two, or excuse me, last night, I should say, six and two-thirds, 110 pitches, ten strikeouts, one walk. He was awesome. And he has slowly been more awesome every time he's gone out there. But what happens? You pull him out, Mike Meyer comes in. And the three to nothing lead becomes an eight to three loss. <laughs> this team, dude, it is so infuriating to watch them flail around with this pitching staff time and time again. You, they never invest in the bullpen. They never invest in the back end of the rotation. And now you have you have the top two choices for MVP in terms of the odds. You have two guys in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and they're under five hundred by three or four games. Can you imagine like that's incredible? To why, think doesn't, about.
1: why doesn't Trout pull a Rogers? Why doesn't Trout pull a Harden? Why doesn't Trout say something?
3: I don't know. And maybe it's the good, you know, the all shucks good boy attitude that he kind of puts out there, his persona, right? Very polished, very clean guy. We don't really know much about him. It's a very good persona he's put out there. Not to indicate that, you know, he's got something dirty under there, but that's, you know, it's just how he comes across, right? He's just a very clean cut kind of kid. But at some point, you've got to think that that's happening, right? Like, do you not at some point demand more as you're out here hitting 400? You have a two-way player who's dynamic, who led your team in not only ERA, but home runs in the month of April. And you're sitting here just scuffling for wins every single night and losing and getting swept by the Tampa Bay Rays? Like, at some point, he's got to start to turn a little heel. And it wouldn't even be
1: heel. You know, Matt, like, the fan base would be totally behind him. Hey, I just want to win. Can we get some help? Like, what One can guy. I do? What, what do you need from me? Please, at get me some help. Get our bullpen some help.
3: Yeah, and I just like, look, Anthony Rendon, he's on the injured list. Rendon doesn't make the difference. Rendon doesn't change Myers and this bullpen in in their inability to hold on to a lead. It's just, I think it's incredible. I think if we go back, like, in 10 years from now, we're going to look back on a season like this where if Otani keeps this up, either him or Trout are going to win MVP, but they're going to be like an 80-win team. And it's just going to be incredible to realize the talent that this team had with two players, and they did nothing with it.
1: Let's do a giveaway here. MLB The Show 21 is out. It's for the Xbox. It's going to be trivia, though. Three six four eleven hundred. 1100 Listen to the question right now. Uh, Pujols is gone. You know, he played 74 postseason games with the Cardinals. What was his postseason record? What was the Angels' postseason record in the 10 years with Pujols around? Win-loss record. What was their record with Pujols? What a drop-off from 74 games. Angels record in the postseason with Pujols over these last ten seasons. And then you get a chance. Well, you will win. MLB The Show 21. You can create your own dream team and Diamond Dynasty with your favorite legends and add them to the current day players. 364-1100. Trivia question three six four one one zero zero.
0: Fielding Company is talking college hoops with Joe Esposito.
1: Good job by listener Bladen. He got MLB The Show 21 because he knew that Albert Pujols and the Angels, over the course of his tenure in LA, 0 and 3 in the postseason. That was after being in 74 postseason games.
3: 0 and 3 on the series, right?
1: 0 and 3 the entire the entire time he was there. Oh, that was it. One series, Royals blew him out. You were excited that year, weren't you?
3: I thought that was it. Like, we talk about this all the time when it comes to sports, right? Yeah. I thought that that was going to be a regular thing, like just getting to the postseason, competing. Remember, they won 100 games that year too. Like They were really freaking good. No. No. No, ultimately did not happen.
1: Let's get to Coach Joe, our college basketball insider here on a Friday. we got a lot of college basketball coming up. Uh, not only Joe, we're going to talk to Dana Altman in the 5 o'clock hour, the Oregon coach, who's involved with coaches versus cancer which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, the uh, golf tournament with Kruger in Vegas. Joe, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing great. All right, Joe, let's bounce around the first. Uh, you call it the, uh, the porta potty, portal potty. You hate the transfer portal, but it's, it's chugging along. It's chugging along. I thought it was interesting that uh, as Arizona tries to piece together its team, uh, Jordan Brown, who was you know, this gigantic get for Musselman back at Reno, now Jordan Brown has gone from Reno to Arizona to somewhere. He's in the portal.
5: Yeah, he is, you know, and especially coming off a good year, nine points a game, five rebounds, six man of the year in the Pac-12. I mean, you're looking at a former McDonnell American that has three years left, you know, so it's going to be interesting. I, Tommy Lloyd's having a hard time down there in Arizona. You know, it's not too far from where we are here, a couple hours away, and all you keep hearing about is guys leaving the program. They've got five scholarships. The portals. Uh, portal's a good thing for him right now because there's a lot of players out there, and there's some teams really – you know, loading up with that portal, I'll tell you, it's amazing. And there's so many kids out there that are transferring. It. It's just unbelievable.
1: Yep. Uh, San Diego State was patient. Now they're starting to bring in guys. They just landed a kid from Duquesne who was kind of an under the radar recruit at Duquesne, but he had a really good freshman year, kind of limited 15 games. But he's got four years left, and he already, you know, played a year where he averaged like nine points and four rebounds. A kid named Chad Baker. And I understand they're in on another guy from uh, Boston College, a big, who's 6'8, and uh, Stefan Mitchell.
5: Yeah, Stephon Mitchell's a kid I actually recruited. I had him as a camper when he was a young youngster uh, at Minnesota. So I've known him a long time, recruited him out of high school. But I'll tell you, Chad Baker's a really interesting prospect. Uh, he's got four years. He's uh, a guy that can really shoot it, left-handed, shot about 46% from three. He was always on winning teams. You know, he's a high school state champion kid. He went to Spire Academy, had a great career there. I mean, he can score. He's long. He's athletic. He can defend. I think he's a really, really good get for San Diego State, maybe one of the better players that's coming into the league. He's going to be somebody that can really help, and uh, they really did a good job of doing their homework on him, and I think he'll fit in well. He can go inside. He can go outside. He's skinny, but he's long and lengthy, and those kind of guys in that league usually do pretty well.
1: New Mexico has done a good job of building. Uh, Richard Pertino's grabbing guys left and right. He's got a guard from Arizona State. I thought Mashburn Jr. coming to the Mountain West is awesome, and then I saw another Minnesota player, Brandon Johnson. who I think is you know a, a kind of a toolsy guy. You know, six six, six seven, can do a, a lot of uh, a lot of different things. He'd be a good player in the Mountain West Conference. They haven't gotten him, but he's in the transfer portal.
5: Yeah, you know they've they've actually landed three pretty good guys recently. You know, a guy that you guys would probably remember at Finley Prep, uh, the Todd kid, six five, was at TCU, good shooter, can defend, got a good skill set. He's a real good player. He did really well at Finley Prep when I was out there recruiting. Back in the day, I remember he was a guy that could fill a stat sheet. He's going to get you a couple rebounds, a couple assists, a couple steals, and he can score. You know, I'm really intrigued by the Jethro kid, um, the big 6'10 kid that went to Kansas. Now, Minnesota was trying to get him. His final four was Minnesota was on that list with Kansas and Kansas State. And, you know, he ends up going to Kansas, which is hard to turn down. He's the 17th best center in the country out of the 2020 class. And, uh, you know, Bill Self really does a good job with big men. So he's got a year under uh, tutelage of Bill Self. He's uh, got a great upside. And Patino's really doing a good job. I think, uh, you know, the team that he took over won six games last year. New Mexico was really down. But I think he's going to really turn that thing around pretty quick. And a guy that's really under the radar of the whole class there would be that K.J. Jenkins kid who was at a Division II school. He went from Kilgore Junior College where he put up a bunch of numbers, Then he fell through the cracks and went to North Georgia, a Division II school. But a shooter is a shooter. I don't care. You never have any problems with bringing a shooter in your program, no matter what level they're at. If they're shooting the ball and they can shoot it, they're going to shoot it anywhere. And I think that kid's going to be a good player for them as well. And, uh, you know, so you're going to see uh, New Mexico really make a big improvement from last year, and I bet you they get in that top half of the league.
1: Coach Joe is with us, Joe Spazito. He's coached all over college basketball, including here at – UNLV so let's talk about Kevin Kruger as he's uh finishing out the roster he grabbed a couple of guys last week it looks like they've got one opening left I think Mbake Jong is uh probably out of here we got a, the final three list for Jong we can talk about but what do you think of what they've collected here down the stretch they uh, picked up a kid from Kent uh Mike Nuga they picked up a Juco who was uh, some you know some good programs are involved in uh in the recruitment of Josh Baker apparently a really good three-point shooter so this is a a guard heavy group that Kevin Kruger's put together.
5: Well, it looks like he's going to want to shoot a lot of threes. You know, from the guys that he's recruited, it looks like his emphasis was getting guys that could shoot the three. I think the, the last two guys he just signed, Mike Nuga and, and Josh Baker, are probably two of the better of the eight group that he's brought in. Um, you know, Nuga's a grad transfer, 17 points a game, shoots almost 40% from three. The only concern about him is he's been in four schools, you know, Eastern Florida, Portland State, Kent State and now you and LV, it kind of worries you a little bit. You know, is he a good teammate? Is he the kind of guy that, you know, uh, he just doesn't feel happy? Or I don't know what his situation is, why he's transferred so many times. But that's a lot, of, a lot of places to be in a four-year, you know, uh, stand. Josh Baker, the kid from Hutch, he's an Arizona kid, three years old, Billy left, he's a good one. Really can shoot, like you said. He can really shoot the ball well over 40%, almost 48%, I think, this year. Uh, or his first year, but he's a kid that's going to really help them. And comparing to the other kids they got, you know, the kid from Hawaii and Lamar, and even the two from Texas, those guys still haven't really put up a lot of numbers. They're kind of, pro- you know, they're kind of guys that aren't going to come in and make a big splash. They're going to be great team guys. But I think these two he just picked up are going to probably be the best two of the group. And uh, I think Mbaki is going to end up at a school in Florida. Uh, you know, he loves Florida. I remember when we were recruiting Mbake, he lived in Florida. He prepped school in Florida. and I think if he can go to Florida State, he will. But uh, I think in the long term, I think UCF might be the school for him.
1: Yeah, Utah also in on Mbake.
5: Yeah, I, I can see that. But I just don't think he'll go to Utah. I really don't. I, I think he's going to go to Florida. He's got friends and family there and, and people that he's been with for years. And I think he would want to get back in that area. So I would be surprised if. He didn't end up at a Florida
1: school. Joe, let's talk about some of the things going on around college basketball, around college sports. First of all, news yesterday that the Georgia governor put in to effect what the uh, NIL is going to look like with athletes in that state for college. Interesting note here. Uh, Brian Kemp signed a bill in a law allowing college athletes in the state to make endorsement money starting on July 1st. The new law also allows schools to take up the 75% of an athlete's endorsement income and redistribute it.
5: To other athletes? Does that sound like the norm, or is that a little bit weird? It sounds a lot weird. I mean, what, what is he thinking? He's obviously not a former athlete. I mean, he probably was in a uh, cooking class in college or something. I don't know, you know, what his deal was. i got to be honest with you. That is just a, a horrendous deal for, you know, it's like everybody's all of a sudden now that student athletes can be able to make some money, now they want to pull from the pot. Um, if it's your likeness and who you are and you're able to acquire a type of a deal with uh, somebody that was willing to pay, you should get your money. I mean, to take 75% and give it to other student athletes or however they're going to use that money, I really think is ridiculous. And I'll tell you this, it is going to kill the recruiting at the University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, or anybody in that state. When you're going against one of those schools and you're at Florida and you say, well, you're going to get all your money here, but over there they're going to take it, I'll tell you that's going to be a big deal. And that's a big deal in recruiting right now at a lot of schools, you know, there's some schools that you know, do things differently. They don't get a biggest stipend. They don't get the allotment. They don't get there's so many things in recruiting you're gonna use against other schools and I think that one would be really a harsh reality for those schools. I don't think they're gonna be able to compete anymore if that money situation is what people think it may be here in the in the long term.
1: All right, we got a lot going on with college basketball in terms of rules. So what's the most intriguing stuff they're discussing and what could they change?
5: You know, it's interesting because I think there's so many of them, and I think some of them are just ridiculous. You know, like really a shot clock uh, to go tenths of a second. I mean, yeah, it might be fine. Uh, You know, a a TV timeout uh, won't be there anymore if you use a a team timeout. I think that'll never pass because of the media. You know, keeping laptops on the bench and tablets on the bench has never been allowed. I don't think that's a big deal. They should let it. The one that I like is I like widening the lane. You know, from 12 feet to 16 feet, kind of make it more like an NBA-style lane. That'll give guys more room to penetrate. And since the game is really getting away from big guys and they're not emphasizing on the bigs, I think that's something that you'll probably see happen. Um, I think another great rule possibly is uh, the defense gets all hell balls. If you go ahead and you grab that ball from the offense instead of going to, to the uh, possession arrow, I think the defense gets it. They, they work their behind off to get possession of that ball grab it with you, I think that's a good rule. I think that's something that will be pretty good. Allowing the instant replay on shot clock violations and all that I like. One rule I don't like that I'm kind of afraid of is the, um, you know, the, sh- when they, um, the FIBA rule, the FIBA rule about offensive basketball interference. You can get up there and you can just hit the ball all over the place. I mean, I'm not a big fan of that rule at all. So we're going to see. There's a lot of rules they're talking about, and there's a really different kind of rule about fouls. You can get three fouls in the first half. If you pick up your fourth, you're out of the game for the rest of the game if you're in the first half. You get three fouls, and when you hit your fourth, whether it's in the first half or second half, you're gone. So basically you're getting six fouls. Um, that'll be interesting to see. But I think too many guys are trying to change the game. Let, leave the game alone. The game's been great. I mean, well, there's a few things that might make the game better, but some of these other rules are ridiculous, and it just gives the committee something to do. And uh, everybody's trying to change the, the great game of basketball. Just do a few things to make it better. But don't try to do all these crazy things.
1: Josh sorry if I missed it. Did you mention the uh, ideas of tweaking the traveling interpretation? Euro steps, spin moves, step
5: backs, you know, doing the hardened step back? You know, I did see that. And to be honest with you, referees can't get it right now anyway. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be terrible then, too. I mean, I really think that it, it's almost ridiculous to see how much you can get away with. I mean, how many, especially in the NBA, you see all those those different traveling and all the things that happen in those games. and Everyone's always talking about how they allow them to just do whatever they want with their feet. But I did see that. I think that's another crazy one. And and just think about if they eliminate the five-second rule, the closely guarded rule. I mean, you want to play defense. You want to encourage your guys or eliminate the 10-second. I think, I think those are some kind of rules that aren't um, – they don't need to be changed. They're not hurting the game. I think a five-second call is great. Why do you want – Go ahead now. Look, if these rules go through, go ahead and, and recruit a great ball handler like Globetrotters' Curly Neal, and he can just dribble around like a maniac. And then get a minute bowl where every time somebody shoots it, he smacks the ball off the rim. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Play the game the way it's going to be. If you think there's too much action around the rim, go ahead and put the rim up to 11 feet. I could care less. Just don't, don't hurt the game that we love so much just let's make it about the same and just maybe add a few things to make it a little bit better.
1: Joe, are you guys starting to open up pretty good in Arizona? Yeah,
5: you know we are. We're starting to open up pretty good. My season's over by the way. I wanted to shout out to Caesar Chavez, my team. We went 13 and 1. Nice. We had a we had a great year. My first year here with all underclassmen, no seniors. It's a lot of fun and now that everything's starting to open up Look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's 110 degrees here right now. That coronavirus can't survive. You go outside, your skin just melts. So I'm I'm telling you, we're good here in Arizona. Everything's starting to open up, and we're kind of like Vegas. You know, we're starting to get some more people visiting, and and things are starting to move in the right direction.
1: Good deal, Joe. Congrats on the good season. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. See you next week. Bye-bye. There he is, Joe Esposito. Buffet's opening here, huh? More and more of them. Yeah. Are you in?
3: You know, so the reason why I said this is, so I told you last time I talked to you that it was cool to go see a movie for the first time in a while. And I was talking to my wife, and out of nowhere you go, I was just like, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to go to a buffet again. Like, you know, like Indian food buffet down the street from here, there's a really good one. Love it, lunchtime buffet. Absolutely fantastic. We'd love to do it one more time. Do you think a
1: lot of the the smaller local restaurants are going to have their buffets open? Or is it we're just going to have the big boys on the strip?
3: I think we're going to start big boys and then go from there. But, I, but look, you know, from what I gather, and I haven't been to a lot of Indian restaurants around town, but like the lunch buffet is kind of like you know, a main staple of a lot of these Indian restaurants around town that I have been to at least. I would think that the second they can do it, they would be able to do it, and they would.
1: You can hang down here, watch the hockey game tonight. Golden Knights are taking on the Blues. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop over at the Fortress. You can hear it's raucous down here that was just like eight people making all that noise all but right. this place is going to be very cool in just a little bit the garage is filling up another busy weekend as we uh, come out of the pandemic they got the sports book down here the betting kiosk got horse racing going on as well so when you want to watch sports come and hang out at the TI inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar
0: visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews